Hello there. Welcome to Inspired a Galaxy. In this segment of the ORP, we discuss the artists and stories that inspired us and hope that they inspire you. And now, we present the episode. Hello, everyone. Today we have a fun episode, kind of a different uh, venue for today. Uh, We're going to be talking about the House of the Dragon and how it relates to Star Wars. And today we have an awesome guest with us. Uh, Jake, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. What's up, viewers? Sorry for the delay on this. Uh, Don't blame the host, though. You can blame that all on me. But I'm happy to be back. Love this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Last time we had uh, Jake on, we talked about a book, and today we're going to be talking about a substantially better book <laughs> than, <laughs> than that one and the uh, the show that it spawned. So excited to have you back, Jake. Thank you. So I guess this might be similar to our uh, 101st episode where we asked what Star Wars can learn from Dune. Uh, maybe this one you could title it um, what Star Wars can learn from House of the Dragon or maybe it's not really a versus situation it's more of a comparing situation if that's any different you know but I don't know Um, what do you guys if you guys had to describe what Star Wars was uh, how would you guys describe it we can go Jake first and then Brian Sounds good. So um, Star Wars for me was just kind of a a simple like sort of hero's journey tale that used science fiction to like uh, enhance it and whatnot. And it was a very, very good example of how to make a really relatable family story into something epic by the imagination of George Lucas and all the directors that came with the original trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, to me, Star Wars has always been this, um, you know, kind of fantasy adventure, um, you know, with its, you know, feet kind of in that science fiction realm, but uh, definitely played more so on that um, that kind of fantasy uh, level, um, you know, fairy tales, uh, stuff like that. We've talked about it a lot, you know, as we've kind of gone through, you know, the way that we, you know, talked about KOTOR and breaking that down into into like a, a movie series, and it, it was less less of a focus, I think, on the science fiction, which um, kind of, you know, on the surface of it, you look at because there's, you know, laser guns and spaceships and stuff like that. But uh, to me, it's really more of a fantasy. And like Jake said, you know, it's definitely kind of this, you know, ironclad version of a hero's journey, which makes it very uh, digestible and relatable for a very broad uh, audience, you know. So Star Wars is, you know, traditionally been uh, geared at kids. You could make the argument that maybe uh, <laughs> is that going to start getting away from that after the last 12 weeks? I don't know for sure. Um, I hope not, um, at least not entirely. But but yeah, it's, it's just this uh, very epic um, uh, adventure uh, to me. Yeah. For me, Star Wars is similar to how both of you see it. I see it as a sci-fi fantasy space soap opera, you know? It it deals with, like, uh, the Skywalker family kind of going through some really high highs and low lows and how it affects the greater galaxy. And it's not so much... Uh, science fiction as realism but uh as you said like uh 
sci-fi kind of as aesthetic, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. And then kind of partnered with that question, like, I don't know if we're calling it, if we should call it Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, or House of the Dragon, or the G.R.R. Martin universe, uh, which is hard to say, because uh, they get J's and G's mixed up sometimes, but um, what would you guys call that universe, and how would you describe it? Uh, I guess I would call it just the just just a simple just the the dragon universe I guess, because um, because that's what dri that's what drives all the people to the to the seats in in front of their TVs to see those big giant uh, dragons and explosions and all that. No, but uh, what what the universe means to me is something I guess more of a uh, hardcore focus on like destiny and lineage and family but in a more like consequential sense and um also also just like in, in general like a more r-rated sense because there's a lot a lot of uh ludity <laughs> and whatnot <laughs> in in the series and um very very different from star wars but also kind of similar in that the family is kind of the center of the focus at the end of the day yeah, that's that's a good point. It really is kind of uh, heavily uh, focused on <laughs> you. You want to say family, and you ima you imagine that as like a like a like a caring like family unit, and that's definitely not not the no. case here. It's it's more of a more of a dissection. I mean, it's still it's still a, a fantasy tried and tried and true, right? You have you have swords and and the dragons um, of it all, of course. But uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's kind of you know really kind of a dark examination of those. Uh, you know, different family family units, I guess, and political ideals. Um, I think of Game of Thrones as um, kind of like an antithesis to what Lord of the Rings was, um, where it's kind of on the flip side, whereas Lord of the Rings is very uh, hopeful and joyous, ultimately, um, and banding together. This is uh, very much the opposite of that. Um, it reminds me a lot of ways in like what uh, was done with like the Watchmen um, and versus, you know, adverse to, you know, comic book characters, Superman, Spider-Man, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's uh, you said it right, uh, Jake. It's very much a a gritty uh, ludity. I don't know. Is ludity a word? I don't know. But uh, I like it. I like the way uh, that that sounds. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a really great uh, fantasy world my made to, up word for the to, podcast <laughs> to explore hey that's okay that's okay uh made up words are are okay with us here for sure but uh yeah that's kind of how i see it what about you cassia i guess i will call it the game of thrones universe um and it kind of seems like it's based on history and and like historical texts and uh, different folklores and like the folklores of history, not like elves and stuff. Um, it's kind of like the history books, but written like four four generations later. So it's more of the like bombastic kind of like uh, what inspired the Red Wedding, you know, rather than like probably the real causes of it kind of the more dramatic uh kind of mm -hmm. more interesting history and it's kind of like maybe the grown-up maybe to an extent where it may not be realistic 
uh, where it's kind of more like dark and gritty to the utmost level. Um, kind of like that uh, grown-up answer to uh, Tolkien and other authors, you know. Um, so I guess that's how I kind of see the Game of Thrones universe. Uh, I have to admit, I haven't read the books. Uh, I primarily have just seen the show, so I might not be as familiar or as knowledgeable, but that's how mm -hmm. I interpret it. Like, yeah, I totally agree. And you touched on something that is also an interesting part of Game of Th and the Game of Thrones universe in general, um, is, is that um, a, a lot of, uh, to, uh, sorry, to, in today's culture, like we're so used to just seeing supernatural movies, fantasy, sci-fi and whatnot, that all anything space is, is kind of like the audience kind of already knows like the rules uh, basically and world building is kind of set to like set to the side but i love that the game of thrones universe takes its time with that stuff and it really gets you invested with its world not just with the costume and set design and with the acting and all that but also with the uh, lore behind it and also even the the language i absolutely love the elven language and it was something that i'm so not used to with fantasy but i really ended up coming away from it with a happy experience yeah, sure. One of the I wanted to touch on something you said, Cassia. You know, this reminded you more of like a like a history text. Um, there's a really great line from the TV show Community, which everyone should watch because it's hilarious <laughs> and amazing. But uh, <laughs> one of the characters, I think I think it's uh, Donald or uh, yeah Donald Glover. I think says if I wanted to learn about history, I'd watch Game of Thrones, <laughs> uh, which I think is really funny. Um, but uh, to touch quickly on the book, I've never read the book either, um, so I'm not speaking. Uh, from my own experience, but from what I've gathered about the book, I think that that's told uh, kind of linearly as a point of view, um, and then you basically go back and you see it from the point of view from another character, so you're just basically just rehashing the same story over and over again as you're seeing it from the different perspective of all of the characters. So, um, yeah, just uh, something to keep in mind if you're uh, trying to wonder you know, about the differences between you know kind of the book and then the HBO series that we ultimately got. Yeah, and um, I mean, kind of talking about the Elvish language as a little sidestep here, but um, I just finished uh, the uh, Tolkien family exchange where uh, he wrote letters as Father Christmas, and uh, he, it's funny because, like, Tolkien was so into languages and like even in uh, little exchanges uh, as Santa to his children he was creating languages there and they say like the only person who really could have written Lord of the Rings was uh, someone who studied language as profusely as he did so language tidbit um, yeah. which, which you know Lord of the Rings does not have language really but game of thrones certainly does <laughs> it does it has very very adult uh language for sure yeah um i guess how do you guys see like star wars and game of thrones uh do you see any similarities and uh what are they well like a similarity i guess 
or <laughs> sorry, just, just just to point out something real quick. Uh, one one thing that I think Star Wars is the leg up on, if anything, on Game of Thrones universe and all that is is that the names are certainly a little bit more diverse. Because <laughs> I I cannot tell you how confused I got sometimes with how so many characters, especially all the ones with white hair and House of Dragon, had like you know a uh, Ferris, Fagon, or Arik, or Eric. Like it's just so <laughs> at a point. Yeah. <laughs> at, at a point that got confusing but but like in a general sense um the the similarities i see between star wars and and the game of thrones universe is how how there there's a lot of tension hinging on like family-based decisions and whatnot a lot of the time like people's love for each other can end up like causing a war or whatnot um like they're well, also, in in House of Dragon, when when there's like discussion of of an open relationship between two lovers, like that kind of just brought me back to how um, Anakin and Padme just sort of had to keep the relationship on the down low, or else dire consequences could happen. Like little things like that, sort of made me think, like, aha, here's a similarity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, the big similarities, I, they don't even come necessarily in, in the storytelling or the structure or, you know, really in any of the movies. But you have something like uh, the Game of Thrones, which is, you know, a a series, uh, a, a book, a story that's basically set um, during this time of war. And a lot of it is really dealing with these, you know, political leanings and, you know, uh, bending the knee and stuff like that. And for me, the the best parallel I can kind of draw are to look back at the Clone Wars episodes where you have uh, similar uh, sort of things going on where you have these different uh, planets and peoples and whether they're going to stay loyal to uh, the Republic, whether they're going to uh, go off with the Separatists, whether they're going to just ignore all of that and, you know, the, the war shows up anyway, which is, you know, something that we see, you know, time and time again over the course of the story of uh, Game of Thrones. And now as we're getting into uh, kind of this prequel area of uh, House of Dragon to, you know, a similar kind of thing, people are just getting you know, dragged into this, you know, in the name of, in the name of the king, you know, whether they really want to or not. And um, I see the most similarities, I guess, um, within the realm of the stories we learned from the Clone Wars. Yeah, um, I guess I, I do see similarities with Star Wars and Game of Thrones, but funnily enough, I think I see more similarities uh, between Dune and Game of Thrones because it seems like it's kind of like all about warring noble families in Dune and that's kind of what happens in Game of Thrones but I think what kind of ties Star Wars and Game of Thrones together for me is like it's kind of the examination of uh, family uh, for better or worse and uh, some of the powers that like they're allied against and um i you do see human weaknesses and frailty kind of examined in stories but it's like through a supernatural lens through the force uh but in uh the game of thrones universe it's kind of more that um uh realness kind of inspired by like uh the history texts and all of those and uh 
stories, I would say. Um, because, like, for example, like, Robert's Rebellion kind of reminded me of uh, the Battle of Troy and mm. the abduction of Helen and stuff. So that's kind of based on, like, some legends and stuff. But then you mm-hmm. have, like, some historical... Um, instances i think it was the black dinner or something inspired the red wedding so kind of like that um but kind of speaking of star wars like would you would you guys say that um star wars is critiquing anything or is a cautionary tale or is it more just like kind of hopeful uh and genuine what do you say i would say that um they're, they're it's 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 kind of both in a way because there are a lot of star wars properties that are made by very different people and the the first thing that comes to mind as a critique in the star wars universe is definitely kotor 2 because especially following kotor 1 it, it just seems like a giant critique of just not just the universe that kotor was set up in but just star wars in general and that comes to mind as the biggest critique. And the cautionary tale, I, I guess you could call the biggest cautionary tale, was the prequel trilogy. And that, to me, is are those like two big examples of, of what you just said. Yeah, that's a really good parallel there with uh, KOTOR 2. Um, obviously, you look at Star Wars and you see the hero's journey, um, you know... George Lucas, you know, studying the the rule book from Joseph Campbell, uh, you know, to a T and telling these stories. But yeah, I mean, there's our cautionary tales. And I think um, Lucas really wanted to focus on those. I mean, obviously, you have the big one with Anakin. But uh, really, I think you could take a cautionary tale from any of your uh, kind of villains or bad guys, so to speak. We just got a really good glimpse of a cautionary tale in the Tales of a Jedi uh, series that uh, just came out on uh, Disney Plus with uh, Count Dooku there. So I do I do think that there are some cautionary tales, um, but I think they're primarily wrapped up uh, within this hero's journey as you know, kind of a kind of a counterpoint to, to the hero more so. Uh, whereas something like Game of Thrones, uh, House of Dragons seems to just be <laughs> a revolving door of cautionary tales. Um, so I don't think <laughs> I don't I definitely don't think that they're they're one for one. But I do think that there are some uh, you know kind of similarities in you know a few of the characters' uh, story paths. Um, you can make kind of parallel between you know Anakin and Daenerys's story um and you know ultimately I guess you could look at it and say you know Anakin's making his choices for love um and Daenerys is doing her uh making her choices more uh, selfishly but was Anakin mm-hmm. really doing it for love or was it more selfishly um you know I don't know that's where the lines get a little bit bit blurred but I think that um there are some cautionary tales to find within Star Wars you know obviously uh, Anakin Darth Vader being being the big one but I think there are some other ones there too um if you look and then uh you know Jake nailed it uh, Kotor too. Obviously, uh, the Mitra Surik is a super good cautionary tale if that's your jam. So, yeah. Oh yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, also, on just the revolving door of cautionary tales of Game of Thrones, because in a general sense, that universe is a lot like it just inspired by the noble status of families and like how family like was just another way of like having the class system in in those days. Where whereas Star Wars, in a sense, family is important, but it's more of the power within, and not so much like family status, un- unless you go to a specific planet or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Star Wars, like, 
if you kind of look at the hero's journey, like, it depends where you stop the story, because it kind of seems like most of the stories are cautionary tales, but uh, there certainly is a mix uh, in the greater Star Wars, you know, different tales. We have Andor, we have Kenobi, uh, we have the Mandalorian, we have the movies, uh, a mixture of... Uh, Heroes' journeys that are meant to be cautionary tales, I would say, and mixtures that are kind of played straight, kind of more happy, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. so Andor I, in particular, yeah, yeah is, 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 is kind of like the latest critique, I guess you could say, just because it covers a lot of real world, like uh, kind of personal holes that we find ourselves in that are kind of never ending loops of just boredom and idleness like with with the empire in particular but that's a whole other topic yeah i mean kind of talking about andor i i think like andor uh cassian is okay kind of being the hero in the background and that's kind of the hero that the galaxy needed but i think like cyril would rather be at the forefront rather than behind the scenes definitely for the empire um mm -hmm. So it, it's just kind of interesting to kind of see that. Um, so like Star Wars, like I'm like I don't know. IDK. Um, it has <laughs> it has a mixture of cautionary uh, heroes' journeys and played played straight hero heroes' journeys or heroes ad the adventurer's quest. You know, so it, it's more inclusive, but. Um, I guess, like, following that up, like, this is kind of, like, an obvious question, maybe, but, like, is the G <laughs> Game of Thrones universe a cautionary tale? Or maybe I should say, like, how would you say the is the Game of Thrones universe a cautionary tale? Like, who do you think he's critiquing? Uh, and you can, like, say anyone. Um, To, to answer that, I, I would say, like, it's... It's... While it is like first and foremost a cautionary tale, it, it is kind of a, a critique in and of itself of that system, of like the class system and whatnot with the families. Like da Damon comes to mind as, as like the like purest example of a critique, just because of how bombastic his character is. Speaking of, I love Matt Smith. I I've, I I was just like drawn immediately to him, seeing him in this universe, and I was like, "What? Wow! Why? Why isn't he? Re I mean, he was in Doctor Who, yeah, but well, why wasn't he doing like more fantasy stuff? Like to me, this is where he really shines, and his character is just the first thing I think of." Yeah. Yeah. To answer your uh, question of if Game of Thrones is a cautionary tale, Cassie, <laughs> yeah, I will say uh, yes. I will. I will agree with that statement. I think that it is for sure. Um, yeah. Obvi obviously, it is. And like I said, that's kind of a revolving door of uh, cautionary tales, uh, really, because you can really kind of break down, you know, any of of the characters and and look at them within. Uh, you know, the realm of Game of Thrones, which was one of the kind of intriguing things, I think, for a lot of people, you know, when the series first came on back in, um, you know, 2000 and uh, whenever that was when it debuted, uh, 2011 was one of the things, right? Because you had you had people who, 
I guess kind of in your in your eyes you might have connected with or uh, thought of as as heroes or who you thought was setting themselves up to be the heroes and you know they were very you know kind of easily dispatched of uh, within the story right there was there was no real room for for heroes there was only room for these uh, you know kind of kind of anti heroes that you were that you were left with and I think that that was kind of I, I don't know for sure if it's revolutionary or not because I don't, uh, you know, I don't know <laughs> all of the TV shows and all of the stories. But it, it definitely felt appreciated. Like, it felt like something that was very new and very unique for that story, which I I think is uh, just just kind of fascinating to you know to play with people. I remember when the TV show Lost was on. If any of our uh, viewers are old enough to have watched <laughs> Lost, um, I know um, uh, Lindelof and Abrams when they they wrote it and they wrote the pilot. Um, Jack uh, was supposed to die in the first episode, and the TV execs were like, "You can't, you can't <laughs> spend an hour talking about this guy and then kill him off." And that is exactly what you know Game of Thrones did. You never knew what was going to happen uh, week to week with these characters that you were finding interesting and things. So I think it was really, you know, it, was it a critique on Tolkien? I don't think it was a, a critique necessarily because I think that uh, Martin uh, definitely respects Tolkien and you know cites him as one of his inspirations but I think it was like I said kind of an antithesis to that and then maybe just a critique on you know the way stories were told and the way that people identify uh, with heroes you know and whether that's really a good thing or not yeah that's that's a good point uh, Martin does uh, cite Tolkien as like one of his uh, main uh, inspirations. I mean, that's why he's G R R Martin and not, <laughs> yeah, y- you know, kind of similar to J R R. Uh, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess if the Game of Thrones universe is a cautionary tale, I would say it is. Um, it's kind of critiquing humanity, uh, critiquing our history and uh, how we kind of vie for power. Uh, Those uh, kind of ancestral class-based, you know, systems that we set up. Um, And I guess maybe I would say, like, it seems like Game of Thrones is kind of has, like, two wolves to it, you know, like one that uh, maybe critiques Tolkien and kind of does things differently than he does, kind of makes things more adult, uh, mm-hmm. but but then is kind of inspired by him and uh, on the other side. Uh, and it definitely kind of also critiques like narrative structures that are kind of familiar to us because usually... Um, when a hero dies and he has a son, you know, that's, that's a king, you know, usually that, uh, that son is set up to avenge him, you know, and that's what everyone thought Rob Stark was going to be. Uh, Mm -hmm. but, but then he was just kind of killed off and that was shocking. So, um, Game of Thrones can do that um well and it can also do that horribly wrong you know it depends on the writing and i i i'm talking about the 
the TV show, not the not the books, because it's pretty much universal that people think the books are written well. But um, I guess it also is sort of universal that people didn't really like the last few seasons of Game of Thrones, you know, but will not get <laughs> so much into that today. <laughs> That's right. As as one of the very few people in the world that really liked the last season of uh, Game of Thrones, I will I will agree with you that I am definitely in the minority. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I can accept like certain characters like I I did kind of see like I'm like, "Oh, Danny seems a little you know, like, she didn't really care about burning the grain, you know? Uh, people mm-hmm. need that to eat, you know, if she's going to rule these subjects. But then, um, I just think it was a bit rushed, you know? And then it's like, and then Danny kind of just kills the King's Landing. And I was like, I don't think we're quite there yet. Like, but yeah. Before we dive into our last few questions, uh, what did you guys think of House of the Dragon? I I, I loved it. I really did. Um, it, it was definitely something that was uh, new to me, be, just because of how graphic it got sometimes. I mean, you know, as a relatively young guy with no kids, the whole baby-making stuff, like, that was all... Okay, wow, this this is new. This is uh something I'm gonna have to get used to. And but it, it didn't like detract or anything. It just kinda cemented how brutal this world is. And along with that I love the characters, I love the world, and it, it's it's kind of like my door into into this universe and I'm so happy that it was House of Dragons that got me into that. <laughs> Yeah, you uh, you bring up the uh, the brutality of it, and yeah, it is definitely very brutal, and especially in that first episode, uh, you know, where uh, they're they're doing the uh, childbirth by way of uh, cesarean section, uh, which would not have been pleasant in uh, ancient uh, House of Dragon land, I don't assume, and it didn't look very pleasant. Um, so one of the things about Game of Thrones as a series was that it was very violent. Um, it was very bloody. Um, and <laughs> when I was watching the first episode of this, I'm like, I'm like, they're really like doubling down on that. I don't know if I'm really that interested in watching this three years removed. Uh, so there was that, but, uh, quickly got over that. I think that the violence level actually tamed down a lot after that first one, uh, which I personally found, uh, to be okay. I think that there's definitely a time and a place for stuff like that. And I didn't want it to get in the way of the story. And I don't think that it, uh, uh, did very much like you said uh jake um it, it was interesting getting the house of dragon here in the year uh 2022 uh game of thrones ended in 2019 and we just kind of hit on the fact that no one really liked the last season at all so i was kind of surprised that they they really uh you know put this much kind of time and effort into telling the story but i'm glad that they did because i think that is a really compelling story i think that it's interesting um i think it's interesting to see kind of this you know it, it's a little bit more of an intimate sort of family, uh, you know, kind of power struggle as opposed to the the entirety of the realm, uh, which I think is neat. Uh, they did make a weird time jump that they didn't even address at all. I uh, didn't love that, gotta be honest. But um, I think yep. it, I think I think it was okay. Um, the actors in this thing have been uh, fantastic. Uh, will it live up to like the critical acclaim that Game of Thrones did? Probably not. I don't think anything ever will. Uh, Game of Thrones won like 59 uh, primetime Emmys, which is a lot. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know, but I think that it is a really good story and really compelling. And I'm I'm glad that they decide to go back to, you know, Westeros and tell us some more of these stories. And I think that that is uh, really cool. 
And one other quick thing to say, uh, sorry, before you go, Cassia, is that uh, House of Dragon is also a perfect, like, jumping in point for for the viewers listening like if you're worried about all the background lore like like you feel like it's a comic book series you got to catch up you don't uh house of dragon is is a perfect way to get into it being that it's a little bit removed from the main universe and <laughs> another thing too is that um all of the, all of like the effects like also hold up really really well which is something that you know like feels like it's a given these days but i always appreciate it when when a film or tv series or whatnot really takes the time and effort and makes everything look convincing yeah i mean i came to house of the dragon after seeing like the end of game of thrones and even though i was kind of more on board with the story kind of surrounding uh, the last few seasons of Game of Thrones. I wasn't a fan of the execution and I was just very hesitant to, I'm like, do I want to get back into this universe again? Like, is it viable? Do I want to? Um, and then I watched the first episode and I was just uh, blown away by the, it just felt like a lived-in universe where you were seeing it more at its peak, not like after a war uh, and a bad king with King Robert, you know, where he kind of was just more focused on, like, eating and jousting rather than, like, taking care of the castle, making it look well, you know, uh, and all that. And... Uh, I think the I think the showrunners definitely took some notes, uh, critiques from Game of Thrones, the TV show, and were like, maybe let's go with uh, material that exists that Martin wrote, have Martin on board, and um, tell a story that's more kind of self-contained rather than spanning. Uh, a whole continent and having the mythical white walkers we're not going to deal with that we're just going to tell a story of uh the beginnings of a of a family feud that turns into a civil war and i think they did it well yeah one of the one of the other real highlights for me too um was the uh, something as simple as the opening sequence for house of dragon which i thought was great uh within that table uh that's kind of like lighting on fire uh within it uh which is awesome because the opening for uh game of thrones was awesome kind of that like like animated like construction set like map that they were going over all of Westeros, and then, you know, the theme music is done by uh, Ramin Djawadi, uh, who's awesome, uh, mm -hmm. also did the music for Westworld, uh, which is absolutely fantastic uh, music, too, um, so I thought that that was a, a real neat kind of tie-over to give a little bit of continuity, but like Jake said, you definitely don't have to have to know anything about the series or the book, uh, Game of Thrones, um, you know, Song of Ice and Fire to get into the House of Dragon because none of those people are alive yet. So there you go. Yeah. And I guess that's why I'm drawn to Knights of the Old Republic um, is so you don't have the whole baggage of the Skywalker uh, saga, really. It can be its own thing. And 
you don't it like you said Jake it's a great entry point for more viewers you don't have to know the whole Game of Thrones story and be invested in that it's a it's a great entry point for more viewers and I just enjoyed it and uh some more book details kind of made it into um the show which I loved like the the winged helmet you know that you see um <laughs> Uh, Matt Smith's Damon Ware. Uh, I oh, thought yeah. that was cool, and because like no one really wore helmets in Game of Thrones, and I was like, do they just go into battle waiting to be decapitated? Like, <laughs> so it was that was a nice detail to see. The audience needed to see their luscious hair at all times, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we still. That's actually. If you have Kit Harrington's hair, you're gonna like. I'm not gonna put a helmet on. Yeah. Let people let people see see this glory right here. Is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> my hair is my shield. But 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 that's actually a really good point too. Is that uh, this is something that definitely Star Wars can learn from. I think at least the TV shows and movies as of late can definitely learn from it. Is that if you want to do something like fresh and get your audience hooked, I think the best thing to do is is to you know psh, like take a step back from all the member berries and just set it way far into the future or the past, whichever. Because Kodor did that, like, you know, almost 20 years ago, and look how great that turned out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I am very anti-member berries and uh, hallway scenes, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and this this whole episode basically was just a way for us to say, see if they can make House of Dragons, we could definitely make Kotor uh, yeah. into a thing. So that that was that was the thesis statement <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> You yeah. see, viewers, that, that that that's the ploy. We just use House of Dragon as a vehicle to pitch Kotor as a series once more. <laughs> that's what this podcast is. If, <laughs> if you haven't caught on to us yet, that's that's what it is. So. Come on, Disney! It's it's, it's been over a hundred episodes. Just listen for once. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, but I guess what would you want Star Wars to uh, learn from the House of the Dragon if you could give them? if you could give them notes or suggestions. So besides the ones we already talked about, like just a thing to also shy away from is like, don't be afraid to have a character be brutal, you know, like, cause too often whenever, um, like when, whenever the TV shows have used a character that we know, like it, it survives in like a later property or whatever, like the, there's no attention involving their death or whatever. And, but 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 they still try to make tension out of it, even though there isn't. So that's something that Game of Thrones has the advantage of with all these original characters, and it doesn't. The tension doesn't have to always rely on their death as well. It can rely on their emotional connection with other characters, how relationships change and whatnot, like whether it be romantic or just a personal relationship. That's the type of stuff that why I think uh, House of Dragon really hooked me was besides the brutality of it the character drama also really stuck out yeah uh what about what about you brain yeah i mean it's it's hard to think about um you know things that it could learn from because they're they're so very different um in terms of the story that they're telling in terms of the tone um in terms of the general audience uh that they're really trying to go for so i think um if i was going to say 
uh, one thing you could take away from is just to be, I guess, brave in your storytelling and to make your decisions and and stick with it. You know, we we've uh, hit on it a couple of times, but uh, the last season of Game of Thrones, uh, why widely widely disliked. So I can't even imagine being the person that walked into HBO, you know, after that and said, you know what we should do? More. <laughs> we of should that. make more of that. More of that. Um I can't I can't believe that, you know, they would even, you know, touch it at, at especially like this close to it, you know, maybe, maybe you give it, you know, a decade off or something and then, and then revisit it. But, you know, you get a, you get a good story pitch and, and you run with it, you know, don't, um, you know, don't be afraid to be bold in your storytelling and, you know, tell stories that you think are compelling and, and want to be told, you know, don't just kind of, you know, keep rehashing the same thing and, and chasing, uh, is some sort of uh, euphoric response because you're never going to get it. Uh, you know, <laughs> clearly the people that are that are running uh, Lucasfilm and Disney are are way smarter at making movies yeah. and TV than me because I'm not doing it. They are. Um, but yeah, if it, like I said, you're you're chasing some uh, euphoric response. You're definitely not going to get it, and I would think that they have to realize that. So yeah, just be just be bold, take chances, and you know, tell stories that you find compelling versus. You know, telling stories that you think will fit in the confines of what a Star Wars should be. Yeah. I mean, here are my grand notes uh, that, you know, will be listened to all over the world. No, just kidding. Uh, but this, these are just some things I wrote down. Um, put the money on the screen, you know, Um some parts when I was watching Kenobi, I was just like, I think they're filming this on a golf course. Yeah. I think Disney can do a little bit better than this, personally. And kind of a uh, follow-up to putting money on the screen, like, I think Star Wars is at its best when it's a mixture of CGI and practical effects, so the actors aren't lost. But, uh, I mean, like, Star Wars usually pushes the edge forward, you know, uh, with the CGI, the volume, all that. Um, and I think like Star Wars is at its best when it leads technologically, but the actors still have things to, and the audience have things to connect to. Um, great characters, um, and telling a good story and, I think sometimes it helps if there is pre-existing stories uh, when people are writing to kind of like connect with and um, I mean like for example KOTOR it, the story exists you know uh, writers could have a, a field day you know adapting that and you know um, I won't toot her own horn you know but and (laughs) and also like having a new starting point so like viewers aren't expected to know like this 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 you know um yeah i mean the star wars movies will always be there but when it comes to star wars like maybe rather than expecting people to have watched movies that are almost 50 years old now uh, episodes one through nine. Uh, what if we start a new saga or a new uh, whatever you want to call it? You know, because Game of Thrones is 
it doesn't expect you to have watched Game of Thrones. They're just giving you House of the Dragon, which is far enough re- removed that you can just enjoy a new story without having to, like, spark notes or Wikipedia and be like, what happened? And, and You don't feel like you got homework. Yeah, because homework lore stuff, I, I'm kind of not a fan of that. Um, uh, just to, like, be like, look at what I know. Even though probably I'm saying that, so it's kind of like, um, kind of hilarious to hear me say like, I don't want to show off, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you're absolutely right. Like, it's it's a hilarious point that has merit because the show itself should make you want to do like your own research or whatnot. Like, it, it sh- the research shouldn't have to come first, and then it's like, okay, now I can watch it. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I think the confusion that people have with like what like what should be expected to come in because like a lot of people nowadays I, I think disney is sort of like primed viewers to expect cameos in a way because so many people i've read have when they reviewed Andor, they were like okay when does this character show up or when does this character show up you know just yeah. they wanted it and and it's a shame yeah and i think you, you want to have your barrier to entry as low as possible because that's how you grow and expand the the brand and the viewership and the number of eyeballs that are watching your thing and i think that's why the mandalorian was so successful because it didn't it didn't rely on that when it it first came out right it was in the star wars world these were familiar you know settings and kind of rules and building blocks that the mandalorian story was being told but but i think that's you know part of the reason why it got this big huge following obviously you know little grogu uh, baby yoda uh, certainly helped with that but but it kind of it made it easier for people that weren't fans of star wars to get in to see it um and now it's kind of turned that page where it's turning more into oh remember this character that was from that show that you never watched yeah that's who that, <laughs> that's who that is um so so it's a lot of a lot of stuff like that but i think that you know that did a really good job you know at least up front of you know setting the tone for what a star wars tv show could be and you know that's a conversation for another day whether we think that it's you know still fulfilling to that but but yeah make make the uh, barrier to entry very low you know george lucas tolkien martin did a lot of work to uh you know create these building blocks to tell these stories and to build these worlds out so so use them and you know come up with uh something new yeah you're absolutely right like we're already seeing little crumbs of, of of the potential of how good Star Wars and, and how also how fresh it can be, and and I'll, I'll, although it, you know they may be crumbs, that, that's still signs of good progress in a way, and and it's stuff that House of Dragon is like are it's already done, you know, so that's why I'm 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 like more hopeful now more than ever about the future of both these franchises. Yeah, and that's what Game of Thrones has always been about. Hope. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. yeah. Good closure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but any any additional thoughts we didn't tackle that you'd like to tackle? Anyone? Um, I think as far as the world of uh, Game of Thrones and House of Dragon, I think, you know, we talked about it, uh, you know, pretty well. Kind of covered... You know, all the bases we didn't do like a deep dive on the on the show either you know game of thrones or house of dragon but this is really just more a, a conversation you know about a show that we uh, found interesting and uh, you know kind of found some neat and interesting uh, parallels even though you know the franchises are are vastly different but there's you know everything is is connected it's like poetry it rhymes 
Yeah. That's right. Well, uh, that was a really fun episode. Kind of, uh, the gears were maybe different than, uh, the Star Wars KOTOR gear, as we usually talk about, but we found ways to bring them up, but, um, uh, thanks for coming on, Jake. If our viewers want to, uh, anything, did you have anything to pitch or promote, or if people wanted to get a hold of you, we can also edit it out in case you're like, no, I don't want viewers to find me. But, <laughs> uh, where can our viewers find you? Uh, well, well, on the Discord, of course. And uh, I mean, I'll have other stuff to, to promote actually next time because I have a lot of stuff in the works. Uh, not necessarily Star Wars related, but like just other projects in general. But for now, I'm I'm always happy to come on the podcast, and I I do have a I do have an idea to promote for next time. Um, I would love to sort of maybe like tackle the evolution of like Star Wars animation, I guess, Ooh. and the uh like how and specifically on how the storytelling has changed and what they need to focus on, what shouldn't they, how can they move forward with with like Tales of the Jedi and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. That would be a fun episode idea. That sounds that sounds good. I was I was holding my breath because the first time uh, you suggested we talk about the book Revan, um, and everyone out there listening knows how we felt about that. So uh, <laughs> that that is that's definitely a good idea. And yeah, make sure you come and uh, hang out with us on Discord. Uh, send me a message at astro underscore droid underscore um, on Instagram or the Old Republic Pod on Twitter. Um, you know, any of those places and I'll get you an invite set up. So if you want to come in there and uh, talk about Star Wars, we talk about shows and movies, we talk about all the books Cassie has been reading, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Book definitely next time. <laughs> yeah. So thank you to everyone listening out there. And uh, I don't know, what do they say in Game of Thrones? Like, <laughs> not may the force be with you, but <laughs> may the Iron Throne be with you. Oh boy! They say, say Dracarys. Come on! Oh, yeah. <laughs> the things we do for love. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Inspired a Galaxy is an imprint of the ORP and can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. And you can connect with the ORP on Twitter. It's at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me on Instagram, it's at Astro underscore Droid underscore. And the ORP and Inspired a Galaxy podcasts Patreon can be found under www.patreon.com forward slash Old Republic Podcast. The Inspired a Galaxy theme was composed by Alistair Shoreman. Alistair can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. This episode of Inspired a Galaxy has been brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. May the Force be with you. <laughs>